section four of the lane that had no turning this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. The Lane That Had No Turning, Part Four. Chapter Nine The Biter Bitten. Madelinette was faint and sitting down she drank the wine feebly then leaned her head against the back of the chair her face turned from fournel forgive me if you can he said you have this to comfort you that if friendship is a boon in this world you have an honest friend in george fournel she made a gesture of assent with her hand but she did not speak tears were stealing quietly down her cold face for a moment so in silence and then she rose to her feet and pulled down over her face the veil she wore she was about to hold out her hand to him to say good-bye when there was a noise without a knocking at the door then it was flung open and tardif intoxicated entered followed by two constables and fournel's servant vainly protesting here she is tardif said to the officers of the law pointing to madelinette it was her set the fellow on to shoot me i had the will she stole from him he added pointing to fournel distressed as madelinette was she was composed and ready the man was dismissed my employ she began but fournel interposed what is this i hear about shooting and a will he said sternly what will cried tardif the will i brought you from pontiac and madame there followed and her servant shot me the will i brought you monsieur the will leaving the manor of pontiac to you fournel turned as though with sudden anger to the officers you come here you enter my house to interfere with a guest of mine on the charge of a drunken scoundrel like this what is this talk of wills the vaporings of his foul brain the seigneury of pontiac belongs to monsieur racine and but three days since madame here dismissed this fellow for pilfering and other misdemeanors as for shooting the man is a liar and ah do you deny that i came to you began tardif constables said fournel i give this fellow in charge take him to jail and i will appear at court against him when called upon tardif's rage choked him he tried to speak once or twice then began to shriek an imprecation at fournel but the constables clapped hands on his mouth and dragged him out of the room and out of the house fournel saw him safely out then returned to madelinette do not fear for the fellow a little jail will do him good i will see to it that he gives no trouble madam he said you may trust me i do trust you monsieur madelinette answered quietly i pray that you may be right and that it will all come out right madam he firmly insisted 
will you ask for madame marie she said then with a smile we will go happier than we came as she and madame marie passed from the house fournel shook madelinette's hand warmly and said all's well that ends well that ends well answered madelinette with a sorrowful questioning in her voice we will make it so he rejoined and then they parted chapter x the door that would not open the old manor house of pontiac was alive with light and merriment it was the early autumn not cool enough for the doors and windows to be shut but cool enough to make dancing a pleasure and to give spirit to the gaiety that filled the old house the occasion was a notable one for pontiac an address of congratulation and appreciation and a splendid gift of silver had been brought to the manor from the capital by certain high officials of the government and the army representing the people of the province at first madelinette had shrunk from the honour to be done her and had so written to certain quarters whence the movement had proceeded but a letter had come to her which had changed her mind this letter was signed george fournel fournel had a right to ask a favour of her and one that was to do her honour seemed the least that she might grant he had suffered much at louis's hands he had forborne much and by an act of noble forgiveness and generosity had left louis undisturbed in an honour which was not his and the enjoyment of an estate to which he had no claim he had given much suffered much and had had nothing in return save her measureless and voiceless gratitude friendship she could give him but it was a silent friendship an incompanionable friendship founded upon a secret and chivalrous act he was in quebec and she in pontiac and since that day when he had burnt the will before her eyes she had not seen him she had heard from him but twice once to tell her that she need have no fear of tardif and again when he urged her to accept the testimonial and the gift to be offered by her grateful fellow-citizens in token of their admiration the deputation distinguished and important had been received by the people of pontiac with the flaunting of flags playing of bands and every demonstration of delight the honour done to madelinette was an honour done to pontiac and pontiac had never felt itself so important it realised that this kind of demonstration was less expensive and less dangerous than sedition privy conspiracy and rebellion the vanity of the habitants could be better exercised in applauding madelinette and in show of welcome to the great men of the land than in cultivating a dangerous patriotism under the leadership of louis racine temptations to conspiracy had been few since the day george fournel wounded and morose left the manor-house secretly one night and carried back to quebec his resentment and his injuries treasonable gossip filtered no longer from doorway to doorway 
carbines were not to be had for a song no more nightly drills and weekly meetings gave a spice of great expectations to their life their seigneur silent and pale and stooped lived a life apart if he walked through the town it was with bitter abstracted eyes that took little heed of their presence if he drove his horses travelled like the wind at mass he looked at no one saw no one and as it would seem heard no one but madelinette she was the madelinette of old simple gracious kind with a smile here and a kind word there a little child to be caressed or an old woman to be comforted the sick to be fed and doctored the poor to be helped the idle to be rebuked with a persuasive smile the angry to be coaxed by a humorous word the evil to be reproved by a fearless friendliness the spiteful to be hushed by a still commanding presence she never seemed to remember that she was the daughter of old joe lajeunesse the blacksmith yet she never seemed to forget it she was the wife of the seigneur and she was the daughter of the smithy man too she sat in the smithy man's doorway with her hand in his and she sat at the manor table with its silver glitter and its antique garnishings with as real an unconsciousness her influence seemed to pierce far and wide the cure and the avocat adored her and the proudest happiest moments of their lives was when they sat at the manor table or in the sombre drawing-room watched her give it light and grace and charm and fill their hearts with the piercing delight of her song so her life had gone on to the outward world serene and happy full of simplicity charity and good works what it was in reality no one could know not even herself since the day when louis had tried to kill george fournel life had been a different thing for them both on her part she had been deeply hurt wounded beyond repair he had failed her from every vital standpoint he had not fulfilled one hope she had ever had of him but she laid the blame not at his door she rather shrank with inner bitterness from the cynical cruelty of nature which in deforming the body with a merciless cruelty had deformed a noble mind these things were between her and her inmost soul to louis she was ever the same affectionate gentle and unselfish but her stronger soul ruled him without his knowledge commanded his perturbed spirit into the abstracted quiet and bitter silence wherein he lived and which she sought to cheer by a thousand happy devices she did not let him think that she was giving up anything for him no word or act of hers could have suggested to him the sacrifices she had made he knew them still he did not know them in their fullness he was grateful but his gratitude did not compass the splendid self-effacing devotion with which she denied herself the glorious career that had lain before her morbid and self-centred he could not understand since her return from quebec she had sought to give a little touch of gaiety to their life and she had not the heart to interfere with his constant insistence on the little dignities of the position of seigneur 
ironical as they all were in her eyes she had sacrificed everything and since another also had sacrificed himself to give her husband the honours and estate he possessed the game should be delicately played to the unseen end so it had gone on until the coming of the deputation with the testimonial and the gift she had proposed the gaieties of the occasion to louis with so simple a cheerfulness that he had no idea of the torture it meant to her no realization of how she would be brought face to face with the life that she had given up for his sake but neither he nor she was aware of one thing that the beautiful embossed address contained an appeal to her to return to the world of song which she had renounced to go forth once more and contribute to the happiness of humanity when therefore in the drawing-room of the manor the address was read to her and this appeal rang upon her ears she felt herself turn dizzy and faint her whole life seemed to reel backwards to all she had lost and the tyranny of the present bore down upon her with a cruel weight it needed all her courage and all her innate strength to rule herself to composure for an instant the people in the room were a confused mass floating away into a blind distance she heard however the quick breathing of the seigneur beside her and it called her back to an active and necessary confidence with a smile she received the address and turning handed it to louis smiling at him too with a winning duplicity for which she might never have to ask forgiveness in this world or the next then she turned and spoke eloquently simply she gave out her thanks for the gift of silver and the greater gift of kind words and said that in her quiet life apart from that active world of the stage where sorrow and sordid experience went hand in hand with song where the delights of home were sacrificed to the applause of the world she would cherish their gift as a reward that she might have earned had she chosen the public instead of the private way of life they had told her of the paths of glory but she was walking the homeward way thus deftly and without strain and with an air of happiness even did she set aside the words and the appeal which had created a storm in her soul a few moments afterwards as the old house rang to the laughter of old and young with dancing well begun no one would have thought that the manor of pontiac was not the home of peace and joy even louis himself who had had his moments of torture and suspicion when the appeal was read was now in a kind of happy reaction he moved about among the guests with less abstraction and more cheerfulness than he had shown in months he carried in his hand the address which madelinette had handed him again and again he showed it to eager guests suddenly as he was about to fold it up for the last time and carry it to the library he saw the name of george fournel among the signatures stunned dumbfounded he left the room george fournel whom he had tried to kill had signed this address of congratulation to his wife was it fournel's intention thus to show that he had forgiven and forgotten 
it was not like the man to either forgive or forget what did it mean he left the house buried in morbid speculation and involuntarily made his way to a little hut of two rooms which he had built in the seigneury grounds here it was he read and wrote here he had spent moody hours alone day after day for months past he was not aware that some one left the crowd about the house and followed him arrived at the hut he entered and shut the door lighted candles and spread the embossed parchment out before him upon the table as he stood looking at it he heard the door open behind him tardif stood before him the face of tardif had an evil hunted look before the astonished and suspicious seigneur had chanced to challenge him he said in a low insolent tone good evening monsieur fine doings at the manor eh what are you doing at the manor and what are you doing here asked the seigneur scanning the face of the man closely for there was a look in it he did not understand i have as much right to be here as you monsieur you have no right at all to be here you were dismissed your place by the mistress of this manor there is no mistress of this manor madame racine dismissed you and i dismissed madame racine answered the man with a sneer you are training for the horsewhip you forget that as seigneur i have power to give you summary punishment you haven't power to do anything at all monsieur the seigneur started he thought the remark had reference to his physical disability his fingers itched to take the creature by the throat and choke the tongue from his mouth before he could speak the man continued with a half-drunken grimace you with your tributes and your courts and your bodyguards bah you'd have a gibbet if you could wouldn't you you with your rebellion and your tin-pot honours a puling baby could conspire as well as you in all the world laughing at you voila get out of this room and take your feet from my manor tardif said the seigneur with a deadly quietness or it will be the worse for you your manner pish the man laughed a hateful laugh your manner you haven't any manner you haven't anything but what you carry on your back a flush passed swiftly over the seigneur's face then left it cold and white and the eyes shone fiery in his head he felt some shameful meaning in the man's words beyond this gross reference to his deformity i am seigneur of this manor and you have taken wages from me and eaten my bread slept under my roof and-i've no more eaten your bread and slept under your roof than you have pish you were living then on another man's fortune now you're living on what your wife earns the seigneur did not understand yet but there was a strange light of suspicion in his eyes a nervous rage nodding his forehead my land and my earnings are my own and i have never lived on another man's fortune if you mean that the late seigneur made a will that canard it was no canard tardif laughed hatefully there was a will right enough 
where is it i've heard that fool's gossip before where is it ask your wife she knows ask your loving tardif he knows where is the will tardif asked the seigneur in a voice that in his own ears seemed to come from an infinite distance to, uh, to tardif's ears it was merely tuneless and harsh in monsieur fournel's pocket or madame's what's the difference the price is the same and you keep your eyes shut and play the seigneur and eat and drink what they give you just the same now the seigneur understood his eyes went blind for a moment and his hands twitched convulsively on the embossed address he had been rolling and unrolling a terror a shame a dreadful cruelty entered into him but he was still and numb and his tongue was thick he spoke heavily tell me all he said you shall be well paid i don't want your money i want to see you squirm i want to see her put where she deserves bah do you think fournel forgave you for putting your feet in his shoes and for that case at law for nothing why should he he hated you and you hated him his name's on that paper in your hand among all the rest do you think he eats humble pie and crawls to madame and lets you stay here for nothing the seigneur was painfully quiet and intent yet his brain was like some great lens refracting and magnifying things to monstrous proportions a will was found he asked by madame in the library she left it where she found it behind the picture over the louis c's table i found it too on the day you dismissed me i found it and started away with it to monsieur fournel she followed you remember when she went eh on business and such business she and hovel and the old slot marie you remember eh louis he added with unnameable insolence the seigneur inclined his head voila they followed me overtook me and hovel shot me in the wrist see there he held out his wrist the seigneur nodded but i got to fournel's first i put the will into his hands i told him madame madelinette was following then i went to bring the constables to his house to arrest her when he had finished with her he laughed a brutal laugh which deepened the strange glittering look in louis's eyes when i came an hour later she was there but now you shall see what stuff they are both made of he laughed at me said i had lied that there was no will that i was a thief and had me locked up in jail for a month i was in jail without trial then one day i was let out without trial his servant met me and brought me to his house he gave me money and told me to leave the country if i didn't i would be arrested again for trying to shoot hovel and for blackmail they could all swear me off my feet and into prison what was i to do i took the money and went but i came back to have my revenge i could cut their hearts out and eat them you are drunk said the seigneur quietly you don't know what you're saying i'm not drunk i'm always trying to get drunk now i couldn't have come here if i hadn't been drinking i couldn't have told you the truth if i hadn't been drinking but i'm sober enough to know that i've done for him and for her and i'm even with you too bah 
did you think she cared a fig for you she's only waiting till you die then she'll go to her lover he's a man of life and limb you pish a hunchback that all the world laughs at a worm he turned towards the door laughing hideously his evil face gloating you've not got a stick or stone she jerking a finger towards the house she earns what you eat she it was the last word he ever spoke for with a low terrible cry the seigneur snatched up a knife from the table and sprang upon him catching him by the throat once twice thrice the knife went home and the ruffian collapsed under it with one loud cry not letting go his grasp of the dying man's collar the seigneur dragged him across the floor and opening the door of the small inner room pulled him inside for a moment he stood beside the body panting then he went to the other room and bringing a candle looked at the dead thing in silence presently he stooped held the candle to the wide staring eyes then felt the heart he's gone he said in an even voice stooping for the knife he had dropped on the floor he laid it on the body he looked at his hands there was one spot of blood on his fingers he wiped it off with his handkerchief then blowing out the light he calmly opened the door of the hut locked it went out and moved on slowly towards the house he was conscious that as he left the hut some one was moving under the trees by the window but his mind was not concerned with things outside himself and the one other thing left for him to do he entered the house and went in search of madelinette when he reached the drawing-room surrounded by eager listeners she was beginning to sing her bearing was eager and almost tremulous, for with this crowd round her, and in the flush of this gaiety and excitement, there was something of that exhilarating air that greets the singer upon the stage. Her eyes were shining with a look half sorrowful, half triumphant. Within the past half hour, she had overcome herself. She had fought down the blind, wild rebellion that, for one moment, as it were, had surged up in her heart. She was proud and glad and piteous and triumphant and deeply womanly all at once. Going to the piano, she had looked round for Louis, but he was not visible. She smiled to herself, however, for she knew that her singing would bring him he worshipped it her heart was warm towards him because of that moment when she rebelled and was hard at soul she played her own accompaniment and he was hidden from her by the piano as she sang sang more touchingly and more humanly if not more artistically than she had ever done in her life the old art was not so perfect perhaps but there was in the voice all that she had learned and loved and suffered and hoped when she rose from the piano to a storm of applause and saw the shining faces and tearful eyes round her her own eyes filled with tears these people most of them had known and loved her since she was a child and loved her still without envy or any taint her father was standing near 
and with smiling face she caught the handkerchief with which he was mopping his eyes from his hand and kissed him saying i learned that from the tunes you played on your anvil dear smithy man then she turned again to look for louis near the door she saw him and with so strange a face so wild a look that unheeding eager request to sing again she responded to the gesture he made made her way through the crowd to the hallway and followed him up the stairs and to the little boudoir beside her bedroom as she entered and shut the door a low sound like a moan broke from him she went quickly to him to lay a hand upon his arm but he waved her back what is it louis she asked in a bewildered voice where's the will he said where is the will louis she repeated after him mechanically staring at his face ghostly in the moonlight the will you found behind the picture in the library oh louis she cried and made a gesture of despair oh louis you found it and tardif stole it and took it to quebec yes louis but louis oh what is the matter dear i cannot bear that look in your face what is the matter louis tardif took it to fournel and you followed and i have been living in another man's house on another's bread oh louis no 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 our money has paid for all your money madelinette his voice rose oh don't speak like that see louis it can make no difference how you have found out i do not know but it can make no difference i did not want you to know you loved the seigneury so i concealed the will tardif found it as you say but louis dear it is all right monsieur fourneau would not take the place and-and i have bought it she told her falsehood fearlessly this man's trouble this man's peace if she might but win it was the purpose of her life tardif said that he said that you-that you and fourneau she read his meaning in his tone and shrank back in terror then with a flush straightened herself and took a step towards him it was natural that you should not care for a hunchback like me he continued but louis she cried in a voice of anguish and reproach but i did not doubt you i believed in you when he said it as i believe in you now when you stand there like that i know what you have done for me i pleaded with monsieur fournel knowing how you loved the seigneury pleaded and offered to pay three times the price yourself would have been a hundred million times the price ah i know you madelinette i know you now i have been selfish but i see all now now when all is over he seemed listening to noises without i see what you have done for me i know how you have sacrificed all for me all but honour all but honour he added a wild fire in his eyes a trembling seizing him your honour is yours forever i say so i say so and i've proved it kiss me madelinette kiss me once he added in a quick whisper my poor poor louis she said laid a soothing hand upon his arm and leaned towards him he snatched her to his breast and kissed her twice in a very agony of joy 
then let her go he listened for an instant to the growing noise without then said in a hoarse voice now i will tell you madelinette they are coming for me don't you hear them they are coming to take me but they shall not have me they shall not have me he glanced to a little door that led into a bathroom at his right louis louis she said in a sudden fright for though his words seemed mad a strange quiet sanity was in all he did what have you done who are coming she asked in agony and caught him by the arm i killed tardif he is there in the hut in the garden dead i was seen i know and they are coming to take me with a cry she ran to the door that led into the hall and locked it she listened then turned her face to louis you killed him she gasped louis louis her face was like ashes i stabbed him to death it was all i could do and i did it he slandered you i went mad and did it now there was a knocking at the door and a voice calling a peremptory voice there is only one way he said they shall not take me i will not be dragged to jail for crowds to jeer at i will not be dragged to the scaffold to your shame he ran to the door of the bathroom and flung it open if my life is to pay the price then she came blindly towards him stretching out her hands louis louis was all that she could say he caught her hands and kissed them then stepped swiftly back into the little bathroom and locked the door as the door of the room she was in burst open and two constables and a half-dozen men crowded into the room she stood with her back to the bathroom door panting and white and anguished and her ears strained to the terrible thing inside the place behind her the men understood and came towards her stand back she said you shall not have him you shall not have him oh don't you hear he is dying oh god oh god she cried with tearless eyes and upturned face oh let it be soon ah oh, let him die soon the men stood abashed before her agony behind the little door where she stood there was a muffled groaning she trembled but her arms were spread out before the door as though on a cross and her lips kept murmuring oh god let him die let him die oh spare him agony suddenly she stood still and listened listened with staring eyes that saw nothing in the room men shrank back for they knew that death was behind the little door and that they were in the presence of a sorrow greater than death suddenly she turned upon them with a gesture of piteous triumph and said you cannot have him now then she swayed and fell forward to the floor as the abbey and george fournel entered the room the abbey hastened to her side and lifted up her head george fournel pushed the men back who would have entered the bathroom and himself bursting the door open entered louis lay dead upon the floor he turned to the constables as she said you cannot have him now you have no right here go i had a warning from the man he killed 
i knew there would be trouble but i've come too late he added bitterly an hour later the house was as still as the grave madame marie sat with the doctor beside the bed of her dear mistress and in another room george fournel with the avocat kept watch beside the body of the seigneur of pontiac the face of the dead man was as peaceful as that of a little child at ninety years of age the present seigneur of pontiac one baron fournel lives in the manor-house left him by madelinette la jeunesse the great singer when she died a quarter of a century ago for thirty years he followed her from capital to capital of europe and america to hear her sing and to this day he talks of her in language more french than english in its ardour perhaps that is because his heart beats in sympathy with the frenchman he once disdained end of section four